Hi, I'm Susanna, and this is The Susanna Gibbs Show. Our next guest is Dallas comedian Chris Corlay, regaling us with stories about standing up on stage by himself trying to make people laugh. Just a quick aside before the podcast gets started, we had a lot of technical issues. We'll just call them technical challenges with this podcast, and honestly, we almost scrapped it. But the show must go on, so here it is in all its flawed glory. Thanks so much for being here. And now, a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Susanna Gibb, owner of Gibb Insurance Services. Yes, I am the same person. We have over 25 years of experience serving Texas families and businesses for all of their home, auto, health, life, and business insurance needs. But because we rebranded two years ago, Google has us on page 10 of their search engine. So any click to our website is a big help. Go to GibbAgencyDallas.com for quotes to learn more about our agency, see the behind the scenes of this podcast, and to tell us what you think of our show. And now, on with the show. I'm really excited, actually, to to ask you a lot of these questions. And I think everybody secretly wants to be a comedian. And Nick told me you spent time in L.A. Yeah. Exploring this whole thing. I lived there for two years. What part of L.A.? West Hollywood was where I spent most of my time, but I lived in North Hollywood. Okay. Why did why does one decide to be a comedian? Um, I've had every job under the sun that you could possibly imagine and been fired from half of them. I've tried to do everything. I've tried to fit in. I tried to be a yes man, a company guy, somebody who could go out and have a career and work their way up a ladder. But I always really enjoyed uh, making people laugh. And that's something that, that just really floated my boat, man. Like, I just loved it. I love to just get people going and, 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 and just keep building. Like, I was a, I'm, a, I'm a builder when it, when it comes to that kind of stuff. Once I get it going, then I just keep tacking, you know, more stuff on. Which, at the time, I didn't understand this, but that's a comic way of doing things. Like, you're, you're tagging. We call it tagging. So, you, you have a subject, and this is something that comics love to do, is is get together and talk. And then when we have a subject that we think is funny, and then it's just one person after another will just keep hitting it and hitting it and hitting it until we're all just dying laughing. And that's something that me and my dad were always like that. You know, mm. he's really funny. And then when I finally discovered that this is what I'm good at, and this is what I need to be focusing on, regardless of money or career or any of that stuff, if I just put my energy into this, I know that things will flow. And when I did, they did. Big way. It was so strange. Like the universe just opened up for me. Six months in, I was working clubs and getting paid. You Here know, checks or in, LA? in Dallas. In yeah. Dallas. So I started in Dallas. I started at a at Hyenas mm-hmm. was there at Mockingbird was their open mic was where I really kind of started, you know, going regularly. When you're up there it's it's not like anything else. It's do or die. It's really, really uncomfortable to bomb. Do you have Obviously, you know, you said, you know, you're you on stage, but mm-hmm. is there, a, is it a version of you that's yeah. on stage? That's yes. slightly different than yeah, maybe I mean, if I'm, you know, if somebody were to come up and talk to you on the street? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah it's very different. What's your stage version? Um, it's just me times up to 11. You know, does I just you, take me and I turn it up. Does you quite a bit more? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I cuss more. I'm quite a bit uh, rowdier, you know, more rowdy. I kind of... I like to talk a lot of S. I love doing crowd work. I love just asking people about themselves and then rolling with whatever they tell me. That kind of stuff is really fun. All right, you so know. circling back sure. to the universe opens. Yes. Chris is on stage yeah. and killing it. 
Doing do you, great. Having a great time. Are, do you prep your stuff before you go up? Like, what's your, um, like, you're like, all right, I'm going to play, I'm going to go to such and such tonight. I'm going to do these. No, no. I mean, I, I keep it in my head, you know, and I, and I don't, I'm not the kind of comic where I like to write everything out, where it's going to hit everything verbatim, what I'm saying. Yeah. It's just a, something that after you do it several times, you just remember how to do it you know, whatever the bit is and you know the points that you're going to hit. Since you're doing it all the time, it doesn't, it doesn't you don't really lose it. But you would have, would you, like, all right, I'm going to perform I have an idea minutes. of, I'd have bits in an yeah. order that I would do them in. And most of my stuff that I would write would be three to five minutes each. Mm -hmm. So I knew that I was going to start with this bit. The middle was whatever. I'd just throw in whatever I wanted, however, whatever order I wanted to do it in. And then I was going to close on this one. Okay. So the beginning and the end we're set. And if you really want to give yourself a good time, swap your end for your beginning and then do your oh, your closer, which is usually your best bit, do that at the beginning and then do your opener at the end or do one of your weaker ones at the end and try to try to get it so it's even better, you know what I mean? So And why would you change it up at the last minute like this? Just for a challenge, okay. you know, just to kind of um, just prove to yourself that you can do it. Like there's a lot of um, in comedy, it, it's a solo endeavor, you know, like there's no one there to help you. There's no one there to talk to you after you get off stage when you want to cry. There's no <laughs> one there to pump you up before you get on. It's like, it's it's so personal. Like I said earlier, it's very personal and you're very alone. So there's a lot of energy in comedy that goes into making things feel fresh. Right. And projecting a vibe of, this is the first time I'm saying this. So there is some some smoke and mirrors when it comes to that. I think everybody secretly wants to be a comedian. It's something that takes time. It just takes time and practice. It's like the 10,000 hour rule. You have to put in 10,000 hours to become an expert at something. There's no shortcuts. So why'd you leave here and go to LA? I got divorced and we sold that house and I took my portion of that sale and used that money to move to Los Angeles and set up a new life there and live there for as long as I could hack it. And um, yeah, I mean, I hit the ground running when I got out there. I, my, the, my friend was pretty plugged in. He was uh, real established at the Laugh Factory there. So he kind of would bring me up there with him and introduce me around everybody. And and then, you know, comics are very uh, social people. It's a community, like comics love other comics and they support other comics because they know how difficult it is. And they know the, the amount of discipline it takes despite being an inherently lazy person to get any kind of success in comedy. You do need help. It doesn't matter how funny you are. If you if no one knows who you are, they're not gonna put you on stage. It's just not gonna happen. So you have to have ends to get into places and those ends are other comedians. You know, or you can you can go and try to hang out at a club and, and see if they'll put you up, but they won't. They because they don't know who you are. Right. I mean you have to put yourself out there. Otherwise you're not gonna get anything out of the out of the out of the job. It's a lot of guys that, you know, they're they just think that they'll just keep going up there and one day somebody's gonna go, Wow, look at that guy. We need to, put we need him to on give HBO. that guy we need to give him a job. Yeah. It's like, dude, that's not how it works. It's just never gonna happen like that. It'll never happen like that. So how did you do you out know? in LA? I did great. Yeah. I did I did really well. I got to meet so many comics that I'm a huge fan of and spend time with these people, which was very, very surreal and I had imposter syndrome the entire time. But you were doing good. Yeah, but I mean it's it's really surreal when you get to meet your heroes. Like I said, comics are very um they love other comics. And getting to work 
or being being able to perform in front of people that I watched on television, someone like Jerry Seinfeld or Louis C.K. or people that are that established, and even have them go, that was hilarious, after you come off stage, is like one of those things where you're like a schoolgirl. You're like, oh my God, I can't believe that that just happened. You know so what, what I mean? happened? Like, Why did you decide, I gotta go? I... <laughs> My apartment got flooded, and I was running low on money. It, Were you making any money as a comedian? No, you don't make any money as a comedian in Los Angeles. By the end of the time that I was there, I had figured out that I didn't really need to be there. I don't. I don't I'm not going to say it was a mistake because when I left Dallas and I came back, I was a different comic when I came back. I was way more of a murderer when I came back, and I got a lot of work when I came back. I came back a different animal and then grew even stronger in that time. So question for you, because there's this moment um, in theater when you're up on stage, mm -hmm. <laughs> and I don't know what exactly happens, but it feels like all sound in the audience has stopped. Mm -hmm. People have stopped breathing, they've mm -hmm. stopped coughing, they've stopped moving, and you're like, oh my God, I've got them. Mm -hmm. They're with me. Mm -hmm. You get that mm -hmm. in comedy? Yeah. yeah, but it's not a quiet thing. No? It's a rolling thing. It's a momentum. It's really a, it's an interesting phenomenon. It's like nothing else. You get that whole room right here yeah. and you can do no wrong. Like audiences are, the laughter, it goes, it, it ripples, it, it, it's alive. Like it goes through the whole room. And there's different parts of the room that laugh at different things. You know, I've done shows where one half of the room is dying and the other half of the room is like, <laughs> And I've actually had to go, okay, what the, what's going on over here? <laughs> it, it, every crowd's different, you know what I mean? Like, what do you I've, do if you've lost the crowd? Oh, just t tighten your belt, buddy. You got however much time you got up there. Hopefully you didn't lose them in the first 10 minutes and you got 30, you know, 20 more to go. That can definitely happen. That's happened. I mean, I've had shows where on a weekend I worked a Friday where the first show I absolutely murdered and the second show I was like crickets audiences have like their own their own thing their own energy like an, an afternoon audience is different from a late night audience sure sure i can i can i can pinpoint the spot where it went south and i can take full responsibility for why it went south mm. because i did this joke to this crowd in this way and i didn't do it as good as i usually do it i don't even know why i did it i should have just looked at this crowd and gone well they're not going to like that one and just scrapped it but I don't because I'm an asshole, okay? Because again, it's for me. <laughs> it's not for you guys. As much as you think it is, as much as you think that you paid a ticket to come here and this is about you, it's not. And if I mess it up and you guys don't think it's funny, that's my fault. I messed up. And I can tell you, like, I, I mean, I can, like the night that this happened, my wife, my second wife, my wife now, she came and saw me at a Arlington Improv. Mm -hmm. which is a uh, black room. There's nothing but black people go to that, to, that, to that club. So whenever you go, the headliners they all have are black headliners, um, the features as well, and I'm the polka dot. It's the kind of room where things can go south real quick and they will stay south. There, you get yourself into a hole you will not be able to dig out of and they don't care. They like it, in fact. They'll probably be like, God, I'm glad that dude sucked. Good, he's terrible. I hope we never see him again. Black people do not care that you're doing bad. In fact, I think they kind of enjoy it a little <laughs> bit. And I've worked that club a lot. It's kind of, um, I would almost say my home club. Like they, have my, they have my picture on the wall at that club. Don't, <laughs> don't want to toot horn, but that's my spot. You know, it yeah. was for a long time. 
So I know what it's like to work in a club like that. It's not for the faint of heart. It's not for the average comic. It's not for beginners. It's not even for, for medium, you know, the, the, the mid-level. You got to have your shit on lock when you go in there because they will, they do not care. They will sit there like this and let you die. And I've gotten heckled at that club. I've gotten heckled like horribly at that club. I've had people yell stuff out. You, you cannot let the heckler have the last word. Um, that's true. That's true. One time, I actually, I don't, I don't know if that was that weekend, but I had to let the heckler have the last word. And it pissed me off probably to this day. If I think about it, I'll get mad about it. But I was already running the light, which means I was already over my time. Mm. And um, this guy said something, and I was like, I got to get off the stage. And I did. Okay. And I just left. And I was just leaving. This sweet lady goes, honey, you were so, you were funny. Don't listen to that guy. And I was like, all right, whatever, man. So then I went back in there, and then I came out on the second show, and this dude heckled. And this time, he was wearing this suit that was looked like a, like a carnival barker from some 1920s old movie or something. He looked like, I don't remember what I said to him. I told him he looked like the undertaker for the Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus. And the whole room completely died. Like, they just died. Mm. Because another thing that black people like is if you roast one of them real good after they've been trying to roast you if you flip it around like that you're like oh you're trying to roast me how about i roast you real good and i did and that was it i mean i could do no wrong yeah i'll, I'll heckle people that go to the bathroom sometimes nice. um yeah <laughs> like this will be fun for everybody well i'm gonna officially thank you now okay thank you for being here we can keep talking Thanks. though but it's gonna run out so. this was nice if you'd like to connect with us go to gibagencydallas.com we'd love to hear from you Thanks again, and we look forward to being with you again soon.